This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. It's time to turn the proverbial page on the tie against the Lions because there's a huge, huge playoff implication matchup coming up on Sunday at SoFi Stadium in L.A. Yeah, you're saying that now, Tom. You're going to be saying it every week, I think, for the rest of the season. You know what's kind of a little silver lining with the Steelers' death stretch? Because it is a death stretch coming up now. No matter what the result is, it's going to look pretty good unless you get blown out because if you win these are all playoff teams right and if you lose well you're losing to a good team you kind of touched on what my point was going to be there but not exactly when you said when you win it's going to be against other playoff teams that's the big one yeah not only are you taking care of business yourself you're knocking teams that are also in the race out so it's kind of like a little double double whammy anytime you beat these teams and it starts with the chargers Five and four LA Chargers, five three and one Pittsburgh Steelers. So, right there jockeying for wild card positioning. Steelers are the five seed as it stands right now. And if the playoffs started today, they would go to Arrowhead to face off against the four seed Kansas City Chiefs in the first round. Yikes. The Chargers are the seven seed as it currently stands right now. So, both of these teams in the playoff picture when they head into Sunday night's game, two teams enter. One team leaves. The one team that loses will probably fall out of the picture, while the one team that wins will just solidify themselves even more so in that playoff race. Mm So big, big, big time stakes coming up in L.A. And let's look at the Chargers. We'll do a lot. We'll do a lot of Chargers talk, obviously, as the week rolls on. But just to put ourselves in our blue and yellow glasses to take a look at, at the bolts here. The baby blue. I do love those uniforms. Oh god. Do you? Oh, I, you god. know, I I do love those uniforms. Oh I god. Do, I do think the navy blue gets a little bit slept on. I think it all works, I buddy. I think all of their combinations are great. And I love the addition of the numbers under the ball. Yes, I think that's... I completely agree. Mwah, chef's kiss mm-hmm. for the L.A. Well Chargers. Done. Look at the offense uh, of side of things first because their defense is worse than their offense. There's some stars over there, but it's it's a pedestrian defense, especially against the run. Mm -hmm. Their identity is built on offense, 10th in total offense, 7th in passing offense, 21st in rushing, but I mentioned on an episode we did earlier that you can listen to, they average around 100 yards per game. 15th in points per game, they score about 24 points per game, so they're not getting the job done as far as points are concerned, really. Which is odd because they have the – they have, the, they have the capabilities of doing so. Absolutely, and everything that they're capable of doing on the offensive side of the ball starts and stops with number 10, Justin Herbert. Uh, always more fun to talk about the quarterback, too, so that's mm-hmm. where we'll start. Look, he's one of the great young quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think there's any questioning that. I think he's got a, a bright future, and if you were playing the game of pick any guy to start a franchise with, he wouldn't be more than maybe five or six picks in before you land on him. And he might be even earlier as one or two, honestly, in that little fantasy draft. So he's one of the most coveted, sought after, and potentially great young players in the league. It's funny, though, Jacob, you look at his stats this year compared to his rookie season last year where he was the rookie of the year. Little bit, little bit of regression going on here with Justin Herbert. Not, not major, no. just a slight regression. He is on pace to throw more touchdowns. I think that's important to get that out of the way. He's got 19 so far this year. He had 31 
last year, 5.2% touchdown percentage last year. It's at 5.4 right now. So on pace to beat 31, his rookie touchdown mark, Mm -hmm. but also seven interceptions so far this year, only had 10 his rookie year, on pace to eclipse the interception mark. probably going to hit the over. His completion percentage is a full percent lower than it was last year, so he's completing less passes. And more shocking than maybe any of these other statistics, Justin Herbert's average intended air yards per pass is only 7.2 yards down the field. For context, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, and Mike White are some of the quarterbacks that are lower Mm. than Justin Herbert, but right in that neighborhood. So you'd expect Herbert to be more up towards that Baker Mayfield, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I push the ball way downfield. I want big plays, but that's not happening. The Joe Lombardi uh, offense that's being run in, in L.A. is really conservative and a lot of short, quick passes from Herbert. And I got to be honest with you, I think that's hurting them a little bit because, Jacob, if you look at their start, they went 4-1 and one to start the year. He's averaging 8.4 yards downfield in those games. That number has gone down recently, yeah. and they've lost three out of their last five games. Push the ball downfield with him. He's a superstar. Yeah, I mean, we saw the, what, what we have called the potential to be the best game in the NFL this year Browns against charges. the Browns. That, there were, I think, two 60-yard-plus passes to Mike Williams for touchdowns in that game. So, obviously, you're capable of pushing the ball down the field. Don't know why that number has gone down so significantly, but it's obviously of consequence, Tom, because they're losing games, and they're, they're, they're keeping games closer that don't need to be. And I'm looking at the Philly game, of which – you know, you're not very high on the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not. Too I'm high not. On, I'm not too high on them either. It's really just just. It's really just. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I almost said, said Justin Fields. Jalen Hurts and the Devonte Smith connection because Miles Sanders I think is done. Uh, the guy's been a complete non-factor. I don't know if it's his fault. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. Yeah, he's. Fine. I'm just gonna say it. He's a good quarterback. But overall, we're we're out on Philly. So to only walk away with a three-point win. It's concerning, but hey, you got the win, so the win's a win. But the blowout loss against Baltimore and the other losses during that that cold streak really it makes this team look completely different from the four and one team we saw early on in this year that that went out and beat Kansas City, that went out and had that good win against Cleveland. So don't know why they're they're kind of blowing a Pittsburgh Steelers here, Tom. Doesn't it feel like they have the winning formula and they're just not using it? Partially, yes. I also think a part of it is first-year head coach, second-year quarterback. Team's got to learn how to win. We're seeing that with the Bengals right now in the AFC North. You know, they have all the talent in the world, but they can just get dog-walked by the Browns after they lose a close one to the Jets. You know, you got to learn how to win in this league, and that's what Bengals are going through, and I think the Chargers are going through that as well. I think the Chargers have a little bit more talent than the Bengals do all the way around. I mean, the Bengals don't have that star power on defense yet, where the Chargers certainly do. But I, I think it's the same kind of thing. you got to learn how to win in this league, and you're going to see that from young teams with young quarterbacks is this kind of up-and-down bipolar nature about their season. Uh, one thing that's surprising, though, about the only 7.2 yards downfield number, you got guys like Mike Williams and you got guys like Keenan Allen, man. I mean, you got really top dogs out there on the receiving core that that duo is one of the best duos in football and then you add Austin Eckler on top of that who make no mistake about it folks when you're you know 
mentally preparing yourself for this game and watching this game on Sunday night, he's their third receiver. He's third in targets. Absolutely. He's third in receptions. He's third in passing. He's third in, in receiving yards. He's, he's second in touchdowns through the air. So If it, they didn't have such good receivers in both Allen and um, – Mike Williams. Williams, he could easily be a number two guy on on a lot of other NFL teams. Interesting note about Mike Williams, though. First five games, average ten targets per game, six point two receptions, ninety four yards receiving. Really good stuff. Got a little bit of a knee injury though. Ever since that it happened, has not been the same. Past four games, five targets cut in half, two point five receptions cut in half. 34.3 receiving yards, Jeez. more than cut yes, in half. So, Mike Williams, if you're a fantasy person, hey, may, you're, maybe you're talking to one right here. Maybe you're uh, the owner of Mike Williams. Maybe right lean now. towards Keenan Allen in this game because he's still doing his Keenan Allen production, but Mike Williams' production has gone so far down, and he is that extend the field deep threat. He's more than that, but Keenan Allen's not. You know, a guy that's going to burn you 40, 50 yards down the field. That's what Mike Williams was supposed to be doing. And he was at the beginning of the year, and he was during that winning streak when they were 4-1. and one. But Mike Williams' play has dropped off ever since that injury. And Herbert's play has dropped off in that uh, three out of five losing, losing three out of the past five games streak that they've been on. So I, I think the Chargers really go as that Herbert Williams connection goes. You're trying to find what's the reason for the skid that they're on right now and is the defense terrible against the run? Of course they are. They're the worst in the league, and we'll get to that soon. But I believe the straw that stirs this drink is the Herbert and Williams connection that has been unplugged recently, and the team itself looks unplugged because of that. Yeah, I completely agree, Tom. I think I don't know. I, I just don't know what's what's going wrong with with the Chargers. They have everything lined up for them offensively. We'll get to defense in a little bit, but offensively they have the pieces and they have the smart players who can make the right plays for them. It's just why is this not computing, right? It, I think the easy finger to point here is to Justin Herbert being the second year quarterback coming out of a offensive rookie of the year campaign. Maybe a lot of too much, a little too much pressure was put on this guy's shoulders because he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now seeing the Jamar Chase and, and Joe um, Joe Burrow connection, it's very easy to say that had Joe Burrow stayed healthy his entire rookie year, he easily could have won that, and that may have taken some pressure off of Justin Herbert's shoulders. That team in in, in Los Angeles last year also went seven and nine. That team was saying we just had our offensive. Our, our quarterback went Offensive Rookie of the Year. We barely missed out on the playoffs. We should be the team on everyone's radar saying the hot pick, as we always like the quote from Good Morning Football. That's 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 a sexy pick for them in the offseason to make the playoffs of, of teams that didn't do so in the, in the year prior. However, right now, they are on the outside looking in in that playoff race, if not maybe the seventh seed overall, I'm not really sure. And I can check for you right now. They are sitting at the number seven They're seed the seventh right seed, on the border, right. tied with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. So they got the tiebreaker over them, though. So they do. They're in right now. Right now they're in. But to be to be honest, Tom, what I've seen out of them, it's it's a tale of two teams from the first about from the first five weeks compared to the last month or so. It is two different teams offensively, and 
I, I, I said the easy finger to point is to Justin Herbert, but I don't really know if that's fair to do so because overall they're just not doing what they need to be what needs to be done. Yeah, and I, I don't want to point the finger at Justin Herbert either because I, I don't think they're a five and fourteen without him. Uh, you know, I think if Chase Daniels, their starting quarterback, who their backup is right now, they probably only have two or three wins on the season. So I don't want to say Herbert's troubling play this year it's not even troubling it's just a slight Mm -hmm. minor regression his sophomore season I still think that can get them into the playoffs he's got multiple 300 plus yard games he's got games with multiple touchdowns but to your point he's also got games with sub 200 yard games with multiple interceptions as well and let's not forget his worst game of his career came against Baltimore a game of which should have been a statement game for the Chargers saying we just beat Cleveland we are four and one we've beaten Kansas City earlier this season Let's show what we're worth here and and go on the road and at least make this game interesting to show that we can keep up with the best team or some of the best teams. And they lose what that game, what, 34-6? He is his worst game he's, of his he career. He was terrible, yeah. It was a horrible game. I mean, the He guy, wasn't great last week either. No, he wasn't. And he wasn't stellar against Philly. Yeah, he had 300-plus yards and two touchdowns in that game. Oh, so it? I'll give him that one. I mean, still, I mean, we had said that they're putting up the yardage, but they're not putting up the points. And – that game, I think case in point, they only won that game 27-24. to 24. You should be able to put up more points against Philadelphia if you're Justin Herbert and company, fully healthy. He's got a lot going on for him on and, listen, off the field too. Kind of a looker, that Justin Herbert guy. Great hair. I mean, just a beautiful set okay. of lettuce on him. He's got a golden arm, an absolute rocket. I, I would I love it that. if you could. I love this kid. You know what he's got going for him, though, that's better than all of that, though? That offensive line is good, yes, and they invested a lot. That's got to be so encouraging as a quarterback to sit there in just your second year and be like, my team went out and they signed Corey Lindsley in the offseason when the Packers decided he was too expensive, they're done with him. And he's still got a lot left in the tank. He looks good what over there. What a mistake there. on the Packers. I, I think so. Although I think the Packers are doing a fine job protecting yeah. Rodgers. But, but let's still, not forget they've been without David Bakhtiari for portions of the year. Lindsley's still got it. And he's expensive, but they had the money and they spent it. Filer, good pickup. Steelers yeah. definitely could have used him. I think it was oh, a mistake absolutely. for the Steelers to not try to extend Filer. And honestly, if they had known what DeCastro's plans were, I honestly think they might have given a harder look at putting more money into Matt Filer to stay and play guard. But c'est la vie. He goes out to L.A. and he plays for the Chargers, and he's playing really well next to Lindsley at that guard spot. And then... The big one, the crowning jewel, was the thirteenth overall pick in this draft, Rashawn Slater, who's been by far the best lineman, potentially the best rookie overall so far in this rookie class. So yeah, I mean, it, it, kudos to them. They didn't try to do anything fancy. There were bigger names out. No, there. they dumped money and capital into it though, and that that's what you got to do. And you know what? I, I don't want to give them too much credit because it's easy when you have Williams and Allen and Eckler, and the defense has Bosa. And James, like, you got the skill position players mm-hmm. and you got the stars set. So it's easy to really focus on two big free agency signings and our first round pick all on the line. But still, but teams still, botch that all the right, time. All so you got to give credit for it's due. And the Chargers, they are protecting their franchise. And that line, especially that left side from Lindsley over, I mean, for the next three or four years, and I only say that because Lindsley's a little up there. They're going to be real, real solid. Real solid. That's going to help Justin Herbert. That's going to help. It already is. It already is, and it's going to help. 1.8 sacks per game allowed. He gets put on the turf almost twice in a game. 
That's unbelievable. That's great. It's uh, it's gonna help the protection of Justin Herbert for years to come, and as you said, it's already doing that. It's gonna help the production of Austin Eckler, and in his contributions to the offense because a running back is in 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 moments as only as good as his offensive line. And let's huh. let's not forget. Let's not. This Ain't that the what, truth? What what Najee Harris could do with this kind of offensive line protection? Again, the one thing that is a little lacking is their run blocking, though. They're they're not maulers. They don't really like to get off the line and and out physical you in L.A. But they are really really good at pass protection, and that's what the that's what the Chargers want to do. Even with Eckler, they want to pass. They want to pass first because as, as I don't blame them because Eckler is a huge portion of their passing game. Before we move on, before we move on to the defense, uh, just a little overview. You'll see the Chargers in twelve personnel more times than not. Twenty-five percent of their offense is run out of that personnel. Uh, league average is twenty-two percent, so they're a little bit above league average when it comes to that. Another weird thing you'll see the Chargers do a lot on Sunday, folks. They rank twenty-fifth in use of shotgun on first and second down. So when it's early on in the down and distance. Expect Herbert to be under center. Again, they are a team taking a page out of the Steelers' playbook. Well, the Steelers should be doing it more. I wish they were doing it as much All as right. the Chargers. They like to run the ball from under center, and it's a bit of a throwback in today's NFL. But I like it. I like what I'm picking up. What they're putting down there. I, I think a lot of what happens in leagues, not just the NFL, is there's crazy adjustments, right? Like in baseball, it's the shift. Mm-hmm. In in the NFL, it's all, all the stuff with per- different personnel packages and running out of shotgun. Ball, yeah. yeah, the small ball. And that in, in hockey, it was the speed game. Right. And then that happens, and it starts to establish itself as that's the DNA of the sport. That's how you win. The NFL right now is going through a, a shotgun first, pass, 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 and then run the ball, but then pass, 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 pass. That's what the NFL is nowadays, and I think it's honestly begging for a team to go back to the throwback not not all the way back to where your quarterback's throwing the ball 10 times a game and your your jumbo package your your 13 personnel with your fullback out there all the time i'm not saying that but it's looking for a team like the titans it's looking for a team like maybe the chargers to operate under center to be a 60 40 run first team than a pass first team still pass the ball more than they did back in the the 70s and the 80s but but not as much as teams are doing now and mm-hmm. have that kind of smash mouth football where I think, you know, that pass first league that we're in right now, it's kind of making teams a little softer. And I think you can exploit that. And I think the Titans are this year. They're they're the most physical team in the NFL. So I see a little bit of that in the Chargers, maybe not production wise so far, but at least, you know, this new coaching staff is laying that Sticking foundation. That, like, hey, we're going to be a, even though we got Herbert, which is great. We're going to operate under center a lot with him. We're going to be a running football team when we have our pieces in place, and that's just going to make Herbert's life a whole lot easier too. Absolutely, and and when I made my comment about taking a page out of the Steelers' playbook, the, it's the playbook that the Steelers should be operating out of. They're just choosing not to, and case in point, that well, was— Well, they, they were operating out of it for four right. weeks, and until then last they, week, until they, they 50 to passes. Mason Rudolph throw the ball 50 times, correct. So, yeah, it—, it Kudos to them. I, I we've been giving the the Chargers a lot of credit this episode, and I th- I think it's rightfully earned, Tom, because they're doing things right. It's just for some reason, Tom, it's just not necessarily computing for them. It's it's 
it's led to a, 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 a somewhat cold streak for them. I can't make sense of it, but I'm, I want to give their coaching staff credit for not just getting afraid, not becoming afraid of a lack of production and trying out something, seeing that it's not really working and just shying away from it immediately. They're going to stick with it and they're going to hope something sticks to the wall. The defensive side of the ball for the Chargers, it's really not that great of a defense. Um, it's incredibly stout against the pass. Fourth overall in the league against the pass. 200 yards allowed via the air. But as stout as it is against the pass, it is abysmal against stopping the run. The worst run defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed per game. They give up 150 yards on the ground every time they strap it up on Sunday, Monday night, or Thursday night. I'm going to make a prediction right now, Tom. The Steelers will not hit that 150 mark. I agree with you. Uh, it's it's kind of that thing where it's like all week we're going to say, and when we do our episodes on Friday really getting into the matchups of this game, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball down their throat. I either think, A, the Steelers are going to do what they did last week and outthink themselves, mm -hmm. or B, the Chargers are going to have some renaissance performance, kind of like we not saw even, Seattle have against the not Steelers Not even a renaissance game. performance. is that the, the defensive line, they've been playing against decent enough offensive lines. This is just going to be maybe the worst they've faced all year, and they can pick it apart however they choose. Maybe. It is shocking to see, though, that they give up 150, and I believe – the 31st rushing defense in the NFL is the Texans, and they only give up 131. So it's almost 20 more yards that these Chargers are giving up. Their line and their run game has been awful. Steelers know a lot about having trouble stopping the run, especially with the bad tackling against yeah. the Lions, but it's a whole other ballgame in L.A. They are having some serious problems, and this just in. Some news, it's not really just in. It, it happened last night, but no Joey Bosa, mm -hmm. no Jerry Tillery. That's big. Those are two incredible I mean, I contributors mean, on the defensive let's not, line. Let's for, forget the second guy, Joey Bosa. You ask. Well, let's any, not forget the second guy. He played the most snaps out not, of their interior line. I'm just saying there is only a number of household names on defense in the NFL. The Bosa brothers are one of them. So to lose Joey Bosa is a big deal. To lose second in command on that defensive front, it's an even bigger deal. I just think it's a, a break the Steelers needed and honestly one that the universe owed them because with all the COVID problems and the injury problems they're facing before this game, it's nice to see the COVID bug strike on the other side of the ball mm -hmm. as well. Not to say that I'm rooting for that, but no, of course it's not. just, it's just we need a little bit of relief. There's a, there's a break that needs to be bent in the Steelers' favor and it was, at some point. And it was with Bosa being out of this football game. Even with Bosa being in, though, the biggest problem with this defense, I think, in my mind, other than their just inability to stop the run at all, they're not making the splash plays. They only average 1.9 sack per game. I mean, you'd think Bosa would be averaging maybe 1.9 sack per game on his own. And they only have 11 takeaways. So Steelers struggling in that takeaway department, too. Thankfully, Mightily. thankfully the Steelers aren't struggling in both categories as they still sack the quarterback mm -hmm. and get a lot of pressure. But the Chargers are, are struggling in both the big splash play categories. They don't get sacks, and they don't force turnovers much. So when you're not doing that and you're giving up a ton of yardage on the ground, you don't really have that identity as a defense. Sure. And I, I know they have the big-time players. Like you said, Bose is a household name. I, I think Derwin James is a household name. If he's not, though, it's just because of oh, the injuries. Absolutely. Yeah, that's to no fault of his own. The guy has been incredibly unfortunate. But he's been healthy this year. Yeah. 
and he's already showing you why he's been an all pro even before the seasons he got hurt he was preseason all pro in a lot of people's minds and I, I think he still was on those watch lists this year because the talent is just immense. I, I think when he's healthy, no offense to Minka, although Minka, you haven't played that great no, this year. No, I don't so. think it's any offense, real offense to Minka this year. He's probably the best safety in football when healthy, and he is the whole identity of that defense surrounds Derwin James, and he does so many different things. He'll, he'll be on Fryermuth a lot in this game, but it won't be an exclusive just matchup him versus Fryermuth because he's he's all over the field. It, Ben's got to find him every single time he gets ready to to start the play when he's reading the defense or or Mason, whoever's in the game. You got you got to locate Derwin James, but he's that face of that defense, and yet still with Bosa, with James, with those stars. The splash just isn't there, and that's something I think the Steelers certainly are, are looking at and saying, well, we're good against pass protection anyway, and if it's Ben, he hasn't turned the ball over much at all this year, so should have a pretty good day against this Chargers defense. Shouldn't have any back-breaking plays, you know, like that overthrow Mason had in the Lions game or the two turnovers they had in the overtime. It should be a game where the Steelers protect the football, and don't you lose a ton of yardage via the sack. However, it it hinges on one position. It hinges on whether or not it's going to be number seven or number two out there. For it's the a Steelers. huge difference. Even if it is number two, though, the game plan should be 40 times you run the football. It should be, team Tom, is so but bad guess what? That team ignored that game plan last week and ran and passed the ball 50 times instead. And the Lions weren't that great at rush defense either. You know, they were in the tw- low, no, tw- think, mid to low twenties. He ended up getting a hundred yards. He did. On the he ground. had a hundred yards on the ground, but and it, he it, averaged it, four it, yards per carry. It took all what twenty six carries he had you're just still, to barely crack that. But number. if you're still averaging, if you're averaging four yards oh, per carry, oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. You got to get the ball more. You absolutely. Know what I mean, I mean, you you. We said that Najee Harris got 26 carries. I, Mason, we know, had a couple of carries of his own. I don't know where they stood in total rushes, rush attempts for that game because Benny Snell was out there, Balazs was out there for a couple of times. They don't trust their backup running backs. No. It's but, super clear. I mean, there's no reason that the Steelers should have passed the ball 50 times, double the amount of carries that Najee Harris got, right? Of course I not. Don't care, I don't care how many carries that – Benny Snell had, or that Kalen Balaj had, or that, um, sorry, that Mason Rudolph had. It shouldn't matter. The fact that Mason Rudolph threw the ball twice as many times as Najee Harris carried the ball is inexcusable. Inexcusable. And I know they don't trust Benny Snell and they don't trust Kalen Balaj, but in that game against Detroit, I mean, just hand them the ball off and have them fall forward for two yards, have them fall forward for three yards. I mean, if, they, the end zone. if they can't do that, then they shouldn't be on an NFL roster, especially Sorry, against the Lions. you talking about an overtime? No, I'm saying all game long. Oh, okay. Because I just don't think – you know, they had Najee get 26 carries, but then I think whenever he needed a break, which obviously every running back in the NFL needs a break every once in a while, they didn't turn to Balazs. They didn't turn to Snell because they don't do anything for you. And I agree they don't do anything for you, but you got to at least just, you know, go through the motions with those guys. And especially against a team like the Lions and this week against a team like the Chargers, where if they can't get two or three yards, they should not be in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. So I hope I mean, that-, that was their big criticism last year. 
I hope that they see a little bit more commitment to this running game against LA on Sunday. We've got a lot more to get to with this Chargers and Steelers matchup, so make sure you keep listening to the Steelers standard throughout the week as we get more into the matchups for Sunday night's game at SoFi Stadium. But that's going to do it for this episode. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Steelers Standard.